This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net. I'm shifting to both video and audio, so you'll be able to find the video of this particular podcast on YouTube, but I'm also going to be sharing those on my Sales Academy website as well. You can find that at salesacademy.ca. So my goal, of course, is to take this content I'm creating in my podcast and distribute it further and in different mediums depending upon how you like to learn. I'm also going to be throwing these onto my Instagram channel at Shane Gibson and my TikTok channel at Shane Gibson Live if you want to access this content in sound bites versus a long podcast. So today I'm going to focus on the fundamentals of coaching skills as well as coaching process for sales leaders in particular. Now, if you're a salesperson listening to this and you start to check the boxes around what your leader isn't doing for you, this is really not what it's about. And no organization is the coaching process perfect. It's constantly evolving. And sometimes as a salesperson, you have to step up to the plate and actually proactively go get that coaching from your peers and your sales leader in your organization. So by no means is this meant to be an exhaustive list of criteria you should use to judge whether your leader is any good. But instead, as maybe an indication of what gaps there are in your organization and where you need to go get help. And then, of course, for sales leaders, I'm hoping that this gives you a foundation to build upon so you can have a more solid process in your sales coaching. So let's talk about leadership in general, sales leadership. Number one, sales leadership is all about driving results. And at the end of the day, driving results is often about behavioral change. So as a sales leader, you're really, the better you get at sales leadership, the better you really are at driving behavioral change in your leaders, if you're managing a group of sales managers, or your direct line salespeople, if you're a sales manager yourself. So leadership actually builds people who build the business. That's what's really happening. Leadership also fosters innovation, accountability, momentum, and organizational growth. So one of the most powerful parts of core leadership is this coaching skill set, this developing people's skill set. Now with that said, I also know great leaders and great coaches who fail to meet their potential or sustain their organizational growth and success because they've lacked management skills. So a great sales leader is one part coach, one part manager, and I would say one part CTO or chief technology officer, but we'll talk about that at another time. Today, we're going to focus on coaching. Let's think about management skills first. So management skills, managers maintain systems that really sustain the vision. They develop systems that grow the vision and they manage people and process. So great managers are often great communicators and they're also great at developing systems and processes. It's also about accountability. So good managers often have systems in place and habits and disciplines around accountability. The return on investment aware and they effectively organize around what they're trying to achieve. They also provide stability, credibility, and consistency. So it's not just enough to be a visionary leader or a great coach. You also need to develop these fundamental management skills. Many of us who've moved up from salesperson to sales manager, to director of sales, to VP of sales, a lot of us may have skipped these traditional management skills and are riding on our capacity to sell and inspire other people. 
but at a certain point, we're gonna hit a ceiling unless we invest in being more systematic in our approach to sales leadership. So communicating vision. A big part of success in sales, in my opinion, like I said earlier, is actually about facilitating behavioral and organizational change because we're constantly have to address and adjust what's happening in the marketplace. So if we're gonna communicate vision, 90% of achieving any goal is knowing why. And I believe that 90% of getting your salespeople to shift their behaviors and habits or implement new disciplines or processes is often about effectively communicating the why. So when we communicate our vision, I think the first step is, is it smart? So smart, of course, means specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and timely. And I would say what's missing here in the SMART acronym, it is also has to be contextual. So what's in it for me as the salesperson? And how do I connect what's in it for them to the impact it has on the organization and the importance of the team overall for us to succeed? Just because, or it's upper management that wants this, isn't enough. We really need to understand how inspire and communicate and contextualize major shifts in the organization. Are you inspired by it? So if you're going to communicate your organizational sales vision or a major goal or major initiative and major launch, you're the first person that has to buy into it. And have you connected it to their individual needs? And I think this is important. I've talked about it earlier. And is it easy to understand? I think too often we don't know a subject well enough, and I forget who said this, but it's a famous quote, is that if it's too difficult to explain, it's too difficult to implement. But if you can't explain it in succinct manner often, it's because we ourselves don't understand the topic well enough. And so when I'm communicating a sales vision, a sales goal, my goal is to contextualize it and in a way, find a way to make it create team, that I can rally my team around it. So if I'm communicating my vision in a way that's top down, not connected to their values, or really explaining the overall why for them or their team, I'm already missing the boat. I'm not going to get buy-in from the team. So let's talk about coaching because this is one of the fundamental tools I'm going to use to communicate vision and create behavioral change. And one of the things I think is interesting around coaching and creating behavioral change is how many sales leaders are just too busy to do it. I don't think they're too busy. I think they've deprioritized it. They've made time for other things. If they had an appointment with the CEO of their company and someone else came along with a task, they wouldn't push that appointment with their CEO off. They're gonna to go to that meeting no matter what that other task is 90% of the time. Yet they often will book or don't bother to book time to schedule one-on-ones with their sales team and then those things get pushed off. They don't get prioritized, they get delayed. So a good key performance indicator for a healthy sales organization is that the sales leader, as a minimum, is not just checking their numbers and their projections on a monthly or weekly basis, but they're actually having a really good one-to-one, at least an hour, that's development, developmental. And I'll get into a little bit more about what that's actually about. So my goal is to really get out from the dash behind the dashboard. Too many sales leaders, and I talk about, you know, ask them, are you coaching people on your team on a regular basis? Oh yeah, I am. And then I sit on one of their coaching sessions. They're like, well, here's the number of calls you've made. Here's the number of deals that have moved in the funnel. Um, here's your average deal size. Oh, I noticed there's a delay in follow-up. Here's how many emails you've sent. 
uh, and uh, you need to improve these numbers. And they're really just coaching to a spreadsheet or a dashboard. That's not coaching. That's compliance. It's important. That's more of a management role, in my opinion, than a leadership role. But you need to add generative coaching. That's skills development and deal-specific development and coaching to the mix if you're really going to improve and grow the bench strength of your sales team. So coaching to the process. So a big part of successful sales coaching is to make sure you're coaching to your process. And that is focusing on the qualitative aspects of your key performance indicators. And what do I mean by qualitative? So I'll give you an example. So a quantitative aspect of a discovery call is that the person has asked our key seven questions during the discovery call and they've gotten the key information from the client. So yes, I answered those seven questions. Yes, I got the key information. That's, that's kind of a quantitative aspect of coaching. The qualitative aspect of coaching is when they ask that question, how did they ask it? Were they not just listening to what the client was saying at the surface level, but digging deeper, asking clarifying questions, making sure the client understood they listened to them, challenging their answers in many cases, and using those to move to the next question? Are they practicing 70-30 listening, where during the conversation part of the discovery call, or the questioning part, they're actually listening at least 50%, if not 70% of the time, and allowing room for the client to talk and expand. In addition to this, they're also taking notes and they're finding ways to capture that data in a way that they can use it later on. So those are qualitative aspects of the quantitative step. And I think this is really important as too often as did you do this task, but how well did you do this task? And have I set up a qualitative way to assess this and am I coaching my people to that? So digging into the details of the process and acting in real time if possible. What I mean is that the best time to jump on an improvement is as soon as we observe it in most cases. So if I've listened to someone's call they did this morning, I'm gonna coach them this afternoon how they're gonna improve it. I'm not gonna wait till the end of the month when it's no longer fresh or we can't actually respond and maybe rescue something or improve upon it in real time. So ride-alongs, listening to calls, Modeling and role-playing calls are all great ways that we can actually coach to the qualitative aspect of the process. I think one of the best tools that I've found useful for the organizations I've worked with is actually mapping out and deck documenting best practices, but building it into a sales scorecard where each step in the sales process has five or six qualitative aspects I can rate within there to know if I'm actually not just executing the process, but I'm executing the sales methodology that's gonna make a difference in my sales results. And once I do this, I can now roll out a duplicatable learning regimen to the whole team. And so what I mean by this is that within the sales scorecard, I'm actually gonna develop a sales playbook for each aspect of it. What are our best practices, talking points, steps, objections, you name it at each step, specifically at each step in the sales process, that is a best practice that closes deals or moves deals forward. So this is a really important part from a coaching process is if we shoot from the hip and we have these casual conversations, but we don't scorecard it, measure it, and quantify best, worst, and mediocre practices, so to speak, at each step, we're never gonna be able to improve the individuals in our team overall. The better we get at doing this, the better we're gonna get at projections as well we can begin to truly project 
how healthy our pipeline is based upon how well the people in our sales team are executing each of these steps. So I want to talk and focus a little bit on getting formal. I mentioned this earlier, but I think that getting formal is a really important piece. Uh, I, I think about uh, you know, martial arts. So from a martial arts perspective, I've been wanting to improve. And actually, you know, during the pandemic, I wasn't training a lot one-on-one -on -one with people, so I was training a lot by myself. And over a period of time, my, the frequency of training went down, the forms I was practicing went down, and I knew that I had to really now, as I step back in and I want to move up my belts and I want to be able to instruct at a high le level as well, one of the things I realized is that I actually need a regiment. I need a process and a series of things that I'm going to focus on and timed check-ins. So my martial arts teacher, mentor, and friend, Fred Shadian, actually lives on Saturna Island, which no matter how you kind of work it out, it takes about five hours to reach him from my home. A couple ferries, a little bit of driving, and you name it. So we started to do some Zoom check-ins. It's at a specific time each week, and I have a series of specific activities I'm going to do that he evaluates and measures and coaches me on. This accountability plus structured practice with specific exercises over a period of time is in a short period of time refreshed and sharpened my skills again. I'd thought about doing it. I'd haphazardly practiced for several months on my own, but the minute I added structure and accountability, my skill set, awareness, all these things picked up. So did my confidence because I was getting a proper feedback loop on a regular basis. So great sales coaching is a lot like that is that as a sales leader, we need to get formal. So one of the things I should mention is if you go to salesacademy.ca forward slash sales coach assessment. So salesacademy.ca forward slash sales coach assessment. I've got a downloadable PDF that you can download, print out, it's free, and you can rate your sales coaching skills and your sales coaching process as an organization to see where you need to improve to get it formal. So number one, here's some steps on getting it formal. Proactively schedule one-on-ones in your calendar at the beginning of the month before it fills up with each of your team members. You gotta decide, and I would suggest to do it twice a month, but if you've got a wide team, you know, anything beyond six to eight people, uh, if you've got 12 that are accountable to you, you probably won't be able to see each of them once a month for a full one-on-one, -on -one, and then schedule short laser-focused sessions weekly. That might even just be 15 minutes per person to check in. Use a coaching prep form. So I actually use a preparation form when I'm coaching. It simply asks things like, you know, what did I achieve since our last coaching call? What did I fail to achieve that we, uh, you know, that I intended to? Um, what help do I need? What wins have I had? What challenges am I having? And then where are my KPIs since the last time we talked? And the salesperson has to fill that out before we get together then they send it through to me. And this does two things. It makes sure that they're mentally in the driver's seat of their own personal development. But it also makes sure that me as a sales leader, I'm actually having time to truly prepare and make sure the coaching session is highly effective. So I have time if they're having challenges and it has to do with another department, or maybe it's an area that I'm not that competent in or I don't know, and I can go to someone else and get that information, that I'm actually bringing value to the table as a coaching leader as well. So track your promises proactively and remind and encourage them. So one of the things I'd suggest is whatever promises are made in the meeting, that you make it responsibility of that salesperson to take notes in the meeting and email them to you and of course themselves so they have a copy 
of all the commitments we've made. And then I'd put them in your calendar as a reminder so that you can reach out to them those days to check in to see how they're doing. Too often we have a great coaching session, then we get busy and we don't actually follow up with that person because we haven't systemized it. So use the summary approach to validate the value of coaching as well. So one of the things that's interesting is that once salespeople, and I see this with entrepreneurs as well, become successful and they start to gain momentum from the coaching process, they have a habit of taking full responsibility and credit for the success. So you may have coached them and gotten them to shift their behavioral change, but they'll come to the next meeting telling you how awesome they are. Then the next time you schedule them for coaching, they'll say, well, I'm doing okay. Can we push it back a bit? Because for them, they don't need it anymore or it's not that valuable because part of it is they might be tracking the behavioral changes that have occurred as a result of the coaching. So as a leader, it's important to also summarize the results they've generated from the agreed upon shifts within your coaching sessions. It's not about taking the credit, but it's about making them aware of the impact of their commitment to your coaching relationship has had on their sales success. So coaching self-assessment, like I said, one of my suggestions for you would be to go to salesacademy.ca forward slash sales coaching assessment. And again, you don't have to give me your email address or anything like that. It's just downloadable right there. Visit the site, check it out, download it. I'd love to hear about what you thought about the assessment, but this is going to help you assess your own process a little bit and where you need to improve it. But here's some thoughts about coaching. Number one is, is about behavioral change, like I said, but it's also about trust. So as a leader, if you want great coaching results, there has to be trust in the relationship. So are you credible? Do you walk your talk? Are you a person of integrity? Are you working on growing and developing yourself? Do you have a proven track record in sales or sales leadership that's demonstrable to your sales team? And beyond trust, credibility is important, but within trust, it's also, do you have my back as a sales leader? That's gonna change the coaching relationship. So if it's always passing down the news, from senior leadership or the changes, and it's because I said so. And even if something, if there's a challenge uh, or if there's a problem with a new process or they've brought challenges to us and we're not managing up and protecting our team, in many cases, they won't feel like we have their back. And when this happens, don't be surprised if your coaching sessions aren't effective. I know at some point, sometimes you manage up and there are no results around that and senior management pushes back down, communicate to that your team, but let them know that you have their back. And coaching needs to be systematic to gain momentum. So scheduled, process-oriented, self-assessments, coaching forms, credibility, and a proper cadence is gonna help you gain some true momentum in your sales coaching disciplines. So let's talk about being effective coach. Number one, an effective coach sets goals and criteria around their coaching, around coaching success. So in other words, when I sit down with a sales team member or a new person and I'm coaching them, I'm going to work on collectively defining what success would look like for our relationship, where they need help, what I'm expecting from them, what results we collectively agree to, and how coaching is going to impact that communicates with relevant parties and maintains privacy as well. So there's certain aspects of the coaching where when someone communicates a challenge with me, sometimes I have to say to them, especially as an external coach within sales organizations, is, hey, I want you to know that this type of stuff you're expressing to me, I am going to have to bring that upstairs. I'm obligated to share a challenge or a major 
or a major breach of trust to senior leadership in the organization. With that said, if you share personal stuff with me that you want to maintain as private, absolutely. So you kind of kind of build the ground rules with someone a little bit there and can shift from task to person and back to task as needed. So I think this is an important part is that when you're coaching someone in sales, it's never just about the sales process. It's often about mindset. It's about confidence. It's about communication skills. It's about empathy. It's about personal development. It's about dealing with challenges outside of work because people bring it to work. So a good sales coach and a good leader in general is able to shift from tasks, process, and business and into personal development and back again. If we really want to get the most out of our people, we have to shift to this. Now, I'm not saying you need to be a therapist. You may need to refer people out if things get that challenging because it's beyond our competency set. But we need to be at least a good listener and empathetic. And we have to be great at giving good feedback. Uh, I don't have time to talk about this today in this podcast because I'm sure there's going to be a pretty long rant today by the looks of it. But Radical Candor is a great book on how to give direct and effective feedback. And I think it's important for not just the leader to read it, but their team to read it and agree that we're going to be candid and empathetic with one another in a way that creates trust and transparency. And if we can do this effectively as a team, people are no longer going to be walking on eggshells or holding things back, but actually comfortable and confident to be vulnerable, but also direct. And so being great at giving feedback is a really important perspective uh, and skill set as a coach. So let's talk about effective coaching process. Number one, I like to start with an assessment or a benchmark or a plan. This is really important. So their strategic sales plan for the year or the quarter is a great place to start, place to start with. I also start with a mindset plan where we look at where they're at from a confidence, personal development, communications, empathy, emotional intelligence perspective, and then talk about what our goals are for their development over the next six to 12 months. So I start with some type of assessment or benchmark. Initially, I'm going to ask the question, how do we connect? And this is important for me to go, what needs to happen to connect with this person? What's their learning style? What's their personality profile? What motivates them? What takes their energy away? And start to understand how I'm going to have to shift my, co- shift my coaching process, because that's not a one-size-fits-all process, to adapt to this person's learning and selling style. And then, of course, we set criteria for a successful outcome. It's goal-oriented. It's about moving the needle from a personal and business perspective. And in the short term, our coaching needs to really focus on specific competencies, attitudes, or behaviors we want to shift. These things we can iterate on in the short term, but collectively, it makes a big shift in both success, mindset, and results. Provides timelines. So I think this is really important is that we have a solid timeline to our coaching process and the key goals and benchmarks we've set. And it'll be often comprised of scheduled monthly coaching sessions as well as laser coaching sessions in between. And I think this is important. So this is about deep connection, digging deeper into the major challenges they have, opportunities, problem solving, going, going in depth into key accounts and what they need to move them. And then also shot in the arm laser coaching sessions to really solve problems tactically and keep them on track in the short term and uses a formal process templates for feedback and tracking progress. So this is a really important piece from this is process. And I think the other part is that just like selling, I believe that great coaching is actually more about 
It's not like consulting where I sit down with someone and I tell them, hey, this is what you need to do based upon my experience. And all the clients I've worked with and the years I've been in selling and the 200 deals I've seen like the one you're working on right now, here's what you need to do. That's okay, but that's really consulting. I think people mix up consulting and coaching. Coaching is about sharpening someone's ax and instead of telling them what to do, actually helping them shift the way they think. So this is where asking questions becomes a really important aspect of coaching. And so I'm gonna kind of run through a whole bunch of questions here that I like to ask during the coaching sessions. I don't ask this, of course, during every single coaching session, but here's a series of questions you can be start asking salespeople that you're coaching to really start to move the needle and shift the way they think. As a salesperson, these are great questions just to ask yourself. So here's some sample coaching questions. My, my kind of top three I like to ask, or top four, is what went well? So what went well in that specific meeting or what went well this week? What didn't go as planned? What factors do you think contributed to that? So if it went well, why did it go well? If it didn't go well, what precipitated that result? What could you do differently next time? If you were in the same situation next time, what would you have done differently in advance? Where do you think you need more coaching or support on that? Are there any products or services you don't feel 100% comfortable talking about within our company that we're selling? Is there any aspects of it that you're not sure about or you don't feel comfortable with? What was the best sales interaction you had this week? That's a great question. Because sometimes our best sales interaction, if we break it down and deconstruct it, starts to help the salesperson see some key best practices that they can scale across the rest of their conversations. What were some of your toughest sales or customers this week? What did you learn from it? What would you change? What are you trying to achieve on these 30 calls you're making? So someone tells me, hey, I've been making 30 calls a day. I'm not getting the results I want. What are you trying to achieve? Right? Are they focused on the right outcomes, for instance? And how could you create more personally developed leads within your existing activities outside of the business, outside of the store, outside of the location? These are all things that we can begin to ask. Some other tactical questions I like is that in the last meeting you were with that client, what type of buying signals were they giving off? Or so in that meeting, you didn't ask for the next step and you're now trying to set that appointment. What happened where you weren't able to set the next appointment? Can I make a suggestion for next time? Sometimes it's important to ask permission before we give feedback. Sometimes people aren't done venting or sharing or they're not ready for that feedback. So sometimes just asking permission here and there can be helpful. At what point did you feel the meeting got away from you? What do you think happened? What could you have done instead? Let's take a look at your calendar for the next week, right? Let's map it out and think about what you could have done better. Look at your calendar last week. What could we shift for next week to make your time management better? Um, and so these are kind of, here's some more strategic calls. So these are more strategic ones to grow people. When was the last call with that particular client, right? Who was on it? Have you identified the key decision makers? This is a really important call, and this tells me if they're actually having a great discovery calls. Do you understand the three to five goals related to their business goals? The, th the top three to five goals related to their core business goals. Which next steps did you agree to? What are you discussing next? Have you talked about pricing yet? What is your process for whatever it is? So these are important dig deeper questions. So I know I give you a lot, but if you can integrate four or five of these types of questions into your next sales coaching meeting in a structured way, and you start asking these same questions of your whole team, what you're gonna to start to see because you're gathering the same data and same questions often 
is you start to get and see patterns of success and challenges and gaps within your whole group that you need to work on. Let's map out your next 120 days for this account. What does that look like? What is it going to take to close this large account? What do you need from me to help you land this deal? Let's take a look at your most wanted list, top clients. How many moved a stage in the sales process in the last month? What are you doing to move them forward next month? What factors might hold this deal back? How can we mitigate them? What can we do now? How can I support you? So these are all the types of questions that we need to, being at, need to ask if we're going to have a generative, qualitative-focused sales coaching session. So I covered a lot here around coaching and how to become a great sales coach as a sales leader. And I think that there's another one that becomes very important. And this comes from a good friend of mine, Dr. Dennis Covier, who wrote a book called Coachable. And it is, how coachable are we as a sales leader? Because if we're not coachable, it's going to run downhill. It's going to move through our whole organization. We can fake it a bit, but our energy, our intent, our lack of openness, our unwillingness to hear feedback from our team, that's a sign of lack of coachability. So great leaders are great students. They're highly coachable. They have a coach themselves. They're seeking out mentors for growth in many aspects of their life. And people want to follow people who are moving somewhere. So if we're stagnant in our growth as a sales leader and a sales coach, people can feel it. They can see it. We're not moving forward. We're not growing. We're not constantly absorbing new insights. We're not keeping up to date with changes in the marketplace. And it becomes a robotic process. We're not going to have enough to offer our people after a short period of time of coaching them. So I think it's important beyond having great coaching skills, having a great coaching process, understanding our team and connecting qualitatively, we too also have to be growing personally on a consistent basis and seeking new mentors and coaches ourselves as we move throughout our career. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from closingbigger.net.